Hi, hey. Hello there, friends. We're back with another episode of Go for Sedic. So I'm actually very excited about these next two episodes because we had a very special guest that's with the Alpha Companies, which is a prop house that is based in Los Angeles, started in Los Angeles, and is now kind of expanded across to New York and Atlanta. And they ship a lot of their products across to different countries, internationally, and all across the U.S. for all the rentals that they might have. And if you've used them at any of their locations, it's kind of a fun little backstory to how they got started and some fun information about their salespeople. And if you haven't met Alex in person, you should definitely say hello to him. Funny enough, he started very early with the company 30 years ago, and now he's working as the director of marketing and as a salesman. And he was telling me off recording that I'm going to paraphrase it here, Alex, when you listen back to this part of the episode, but he was working, um, doing some tech for ER back when it started. And George Clooney had uh, walked onto set and was talking to someone and he said, man, I hope this pays my rent. (laughs) And when Alex told me that I couldn't stop laughing, it's just, it's so crazy where your job will go in the film industry sometimes. And you never know what's going to take you to a good place and you never know which job is the right one. So it was kind of a, a funny little story that he said off the mic and I was a little sad that I didn't get it. But yeah, the Alpha Companies is their formal name. A lot of us in the film industry just say Alpha. And I love using them across the board for anything medical related and something that we do kind of touch on in the episode. But I do want to stress and preface this episode with is any kind of working real equipment that you find in a hospital location is not safe to use as props unless you have someone who's certified and knows what they're doing with them. But I definitely would not advise anyone just to pull real equipment out of a real location and then try to use it on an actor or fake it with an actor or have it do something in a scene that it's not meant for. Just, I mean, safety is everything with our jobs. But uh, I think a lot of people forget that a working defibrillator is going to actually properly defibrillate. And if there's any kind of product that is on a hospital (laughs) terrain of any kind, a hospital property, uh, the exterior of a hospital, it just, it takes it to another level of scary because you have so many of um, the hazardous materials situations looming. So I'm going to just put that a little note in this episode. And I feel like I did not properly eloquently explain that, but um, I just want to make sure that everyone knows that just because it's in a hospital set doesn't mean that you should not just rent a prop one and make sure that it's safe for the actors to use. So now that I've gone on for a very long time about that, I want to congratulate Alpha on their 30-year anniversary this year. It's very exciting. Happy and congratulations. I wish you guys another happy 30 years. 
This episode is part one of two that we're going to talk to Alex about. And a little backstory about Alpha is going to be in this whole episode. We get to find out why they started, who was their first company. Let's hear some stories, how they decide their rental rates. What is L&D? And so I hope you guys enjoy. So Alex, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got started with Alpha and you know, also a little bit about the company and the company's history? I know that's a big question. Great. Well, I started off as a real paramedic for LA County. I was called on different sets to do a little bit of technical support as a paramedic and acting. They seemed to like me at times and make me uh, put me in on the scenes as a paramedic slash actor. And at the time I was at one of the sets, I noticed some of the equipment that they had been using on the set. So I asked the decorator where they got the equipment. She referred me to a company called ATI. ATI was one of the first um, divisions in the movie prop industry at the time. ATI was a real-life medical facility that would rent EKGs and fusion pumps to various hospitals and uh, maintain them and do the maintenance on these equipment. And uh, at the time, um, I was I came inside and I asked for some employment just to get my feet wet with this industry. And uh, I was gracious enough to be hired by the manager at the, in that complex, which was actually it was a subdivision within itself, and it's called stu- it was a studio prop rental within the division of ATI. They created okay. a little subdivision within this company. Okay. It was run by um, Mr. Frank Euclid, who brought me in, knowing that I had some experience in the medical field and um, worked two, two years there. And that, then he had a beautiful image of creating his own company, along with another associate, and they named it Alpha Medical Resources. And uh, that was formulated in 1992. So just last week, we celebrated our 30-year anniversary. Biggest congratulations. That's awesome. Yes. And then uh, at that time, um, we went ahead and started our own little um, prop house. ATI folded. It was sold off to another um, medical div- uh, company, and they didn't want to deal with the studio aspect of it. So it opened the door for our beginning. That's pretty awesome. I love that. That's amazing. Did you guys do anything fun to celebrate your anniversary? Yeah, we had a celebration here at Alpha Props. Um, We had food, uh, uh, drinks. We invited a lot of the old uh, decorators to attend. And uh, we were, we, uh, one of the decorators, um, if I may, uh, Andrea Joel submitted an award to us uh, of our longevity and our customer service. And it really, it really worked out real well. And it brought a lot of uh, old friends back together again and to celebrate Uh this, this um, new venture of, uh, of life and uh, friendship. Well, yeah. Cheers to 30 more years, Alpha. Thank you. I hope you guys are around. That's Thank amazing. You. I love that so much. What other types of products do you guys rent other than medical? Because I know you guys have a wide array of things that you have at your prop house. Well, we we really carry a lot of different things. So traditionally, we have office furniture that are date back to the early 1900s. 
along with modern uh, furniture to today's look because you have to be versatile in both eras. You got to be able to provide service in different eras that they come out at us with. Along with that, we have lab, we have borgs, we have um, artwork, cleared artwork, hand props, anything that you might be needing. If we don't have it, we will try to get it for you. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite era, Alex? You personally? Um, you know what? I've always been partial to a period look. Yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting because we do we have acquired a lot of medical period, um, old doctors exam tables, old surgical suites with the old crank tables. Those are always interesting to walk down that aisle and see history. You could actually touch it because this is real equipment. It's nothing that was fabricated to look aged. It's real equipment. And you could almost see where we've been and how we've come in the medical industry. And uh, But it really takes me back to know how primitive we were at one time and how advanced we are now nowadays. Absolutely. I One of my favorite things, too, is doing any type of period movie because you learn so much about the material that was used to make products and how it differs from today where like everything is made of plastic where you back then you were using different steel and metals yes. and different fabrics and everything was completely different so it's always really interesting to see what how yeah, it was you done know before. we did the um we did a most recent one would be um one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Um, we did the, the Nurse Ratchet. Remember that series that came oh, out? Oh, yes, yeah. So mm-hmm. Nurse Ratchet was dating back into that era. So mm-hmm. it's a little easier for salespeople who's been around, so to speak, in that, not that year, but <laughs> right. have the experience of going back and helping the decorator, production designer, prop person achieve that look and make sure that they're getting the proper equipment. When in doubt, always paint it off white, you know, because it's yeah, it uh, it uh, brings it down a little bit on age. But it's always interesting to show the the see the floor plan of what they're trying to achieve, and then work within those perimeters of that floor plan to give that decorator slash production designer and everybody else that look they're looking for. Definitely, and it's kind of funny because if someone doesn't have experience working in certain decades. It's crazy how much 1960 to 1970 changes, yes, or yes. even 1940 to 1950. It's very like much so. Very much so. And again, you know, you are subject to when they walk in the door. You, they walk in the door. They put a, a script in front of you, or they put a floor pan, and they say, "We're doing 1935," and you have to whoa, you know, stop a moment. Yep. So. Uh, in reality, uh, if I had more time, I would have probably Googled uh, a certain prop <laughs> or EKG, make sure that I'm saying the right dialogue, showing the right pieces, because, you know, they're only going as far as what you're giving them or or showing them. So you right. really have to be on your piece of cues when they do walk in that door. So it's it's a very challenging but yet rewarding part of this this business. Yeah, and I'm sure that all of your wonderful experience helps, too, because you've been doing this for a little for a moment and so yeah, and sure again it's not giving away my age it's just it's just showing the experience that you develop throughout the years and you've you've done it so much that it comes pretty natural absolutely um i did want to ask because we have listeners kind of everywhere what mm-hmm. other cities do you have prop houses in 
Well, our major office here is Los Angeles. We've had some uh, new warehouse offices in Atlanta, Georgia. We have one in New York. And again, these are the hubs of the most, these are the hubs of the film industry. As you know, the film industry is really expanding to a lot of different territories. So generally, we have that try little three-way of making it happen so we could provide service to these outlining cities. If we could, if they'd have something in in New Orleans, Atlanta might be closer to ship. If they have something in Vancouver, Los Angeles would be closer to ship. So Mm -hmm. we try to expand our ways out to those areas. Right. That makes sense. Do you ever have to be a tech advisor on set to help with the setup of the equipment or any any tech-related stuff? Yes. There's um, Before the COVID, of course, um, they would often prop people or set decorator often ask if we could send one of our tech people out there just to set up the monitors, get things in, in motion. Sometimes, they, if they have a good budget, they'll hire a nurse or a doctor as a medical advisor. I myself have been a medical advisor in many, many shows. We just try to provide that extra service to the industry if we can. That's awesome. What kind of monitors that go out do you normally provide service for? Is it like an EKG machine that you would mostly do or like a certain heart rate monitor type of thing? Yes. Um, what it is, just like you said, we have the EKG. It would be the heart rate monitor and uh, okay. infusion pumps, anesthesia machine, ultrasound machines. All these machines, uh, a poor prop person or a decorator will say, wow, where's my first button do I hit? Mm-hmm. We've kind of integrated along with Rob here uh, where you could go into our website, go to our YouTube link, and we have everything, every machine on a YouTube platform. So you could kind of see it and know how to operate it without having to worry about having a tech come out in this covert time and um, being tested a day before or so forth. And so uh, he, we've made, our company has made it to facilitate a much easier way to operate our machinery. That's so awesome. I didn't know about the the YouTube videos. I'll yes. have to check that out. That's really great. I'll have to share it on our Instagram. What would you say is the most popular request or what is something that people rent the most from you guys? Well, going back to the that question, you, it would be an EKG monitor. Now, remember, yeah. most dia- uh, uh, in most movies or television show, medical is drama medical, you have somebody in a coma that keeps you attracted to that thing until that person comes out of the coma. So the EKG has always been the main part of equipment. Everybody focuses on, are they still alive? Is their heart still beating? So EKG vital signs are the, the, the front runner of, of the equipment, along with hospital beds and the plates and everything. But I would, uh, I would say that vital sign monitors are always the, the key, um, piece of machine, machinery that we provide. Oh, that's, those are the money makers, huh? Yeah, so that far. <laughs> <laughs> you never know when it's going to turn, right? Yes. Are there um, any adjustments that you've had to make to products that you rent that come from the medical world to kind of make them movie friendly, like changing certain lights in a machine so they won't mess up camera or silencing a sound of a device so it doesn't mess up the lines of an actor? 
Yes. As you know, majority of our monitors now are LED. But there was a time, I would say maybe five years ago when, or even longer, where cameras were running at 24 frames per second, as you know. And we would put one of our old EKG monitors up there, and you would have a strobe, or you would have a flicker. So you would have to send the monitor out for camera test, and then the camera operator had to adjust the the speed of the camera to 35 frames per second, because that would eliminate the strobe and the roll of the monitor. So now with LED, we're able to integrate and make our own monitors with uh, playback technology, where we would use a media um, box as well as a little thumb drive, and we could create EKG, certain vitals, normal vitals at this time. But even our newer EKG monitors, which are LED, could work off a simulator so you could kind of have the patient or the actor uh, go into stress on cue. By pushing the simulator, even killing them on cue, so we still we still utilize that. And uh, so uh, again, yeah, we we really came up in the industry of making sure we had to tweak it. Another way is: Do you remember the days when uh, you would be? We would have infusion pumps, okay, and mm-hmm. the IV pump will be sitting next to the actor, and mm-hmm. there's a fan within the IV pump that cools the uh-huh. circuitry. Right? right. So the sound man would say, is there any way you would shut off the fan? Well, you can't shut off the fan without shutting off the monitor or the, the, the machine itself. So I would have to go back there with a, with a, to, a toothpick and stick it within the fan and stop the fan while the actor is doing his dialogue in a scene. And then when the actor stops his dialogue, I would remove the, the Q-tip or the, or the uh, toothpick in order the fan to kick kick back on in order to cool the circuitry within the machine. So there's a lot of little adjustments we had to do on the set during those times just to accommodate the the sound man. Those are my favorite is when people have to get really creative with their problem solving and like the world that you can change with a toothpick. Yes, a toothpick went a long way. And uh, I remember being on the set once and it's so much pressure because then they're shooting the scene and the director goes, cut. Okay, what's that sound? Okay, where's that technical guy? And then I would walk in and I'm thinking, well, the first the first move I would make is tweak the, the monitor in such a format that it's not being seen by a camera and then shut it off. But mm-hmm. everybody likes to see those little blinking things. Mm-hmm. So a prop guy was standing next to me and that's how I figured it out and said, um, wow, what are you going to do? And he's had a toothpick in his mouth. So I grabbed it from his mouth and stuck it in the fan and boom, made everybody happy. So since then, it, it, it all worked out, you know. Oh, and then, the, of course, the prop guy asked for his toothpick back, but, you know, that was already cut up within the fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you so you got you to gotta kind of make it happen during that time. You know, you're under pressure. You just got to make it happen. Ingenuity. I love it so much. This is one of my favorite questions to ask anyone that works at a prop house because it's also one of my favorite questions to ask other people that work in the film industry. Mm-hmm. But what is the most unusual thing that you were asked to rent and what was the biggest challenge for achieving it? It would have been a heart. We had a scene yeah. on a date on actually two different shows where they wanted to see a visual of an open heart surgery. So they came in to me and said, do you guys have um, prosthetics that look like a heart? Well, 
A lot of people might not have that. So what we had to do is I had to be creative. On one scene, on one particular movie, they didn't want to see the heart um, moving, but they wanted to see the cavity open and, of Mm. course, a heart there. So we had to go down to the slaughterhouse and got a pig's heart. We got the pig's heart, what resembles a human heart as close as possible. We used the pig's heart in an ice chest, came onto the scene, and we put the pig's heart within the cavity of the chest of the actor. So you could build the chest up in order to make a, a cavity um, mm-hmm. by putting towels with underneath the drapes. And then at that time, we put the pig's heart in there, put a little bit of blood around it, made it look with some gauze, and then they shot a, a, a top view looking down. And uh, it looked really realistic. And nowadays, they all have these new um, prosthetics that look just like a heart. But that was a challenging part when we were just new at this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then on another scene, we had to, they wanted to see the heart pump. So you can't really use a pig's heart pumping at the time. So we had a rubber heart. And uh, what I did is I made a little hole with on the bottom of the rubber heart, and I used the tubing coming out. So the tubing kind of resembles suction. You know, it looked like part of the arena or the, the, the look of open heart surgery. And then I had to be off camera blowing on the heart to go up and down. So what they did is they wanted the heart not to move until the uh, actor defibrillated, and he shocked it, right? And he goes, come on. Come on, shocked it again. Come on, let's do this. And then, boom, we shocked it the third time, and they wanted to see it pump. And I'm over there blowing that that tube for about uh, three hours because the scenes go so long on different views. So needless to say, that worked out. And that was a challenging part because you have to be creative at the same time. Yeah, it's definitely rigging is a whole thing. One time we um, had to do something similar but it was the reshoots for Hansel and Gretel. So we had a bunch of like intestines and a bunch of weird stuff. And uh, they wanted a little bit of movement. And so (laughs) we had rigged it to have like a tube and then offset we had like a turkey baster pump. Right. Kind of putting air into it. Yes. Yes. So bizarre, but some of the things that you come up with, you're like, how in the world yes. are we doing this? <laughs> Another time we did the movie Dave. Remember with Kevin Klein, he impersonated mm-hmm. the uh, the president. He looked just like the president. It was a, a far shot of him in the ICU room. And um, he had all this arena of machines around him, but they had the old ventilator. Do you remember the ventilator with the bellows that goes up and down? you know so nowadays the bellows are internal you never see it but the directors always like to see that thing go up and down it shows the the part of being alive well we had to put on the machine itself was very noisy it would go so we had to rig a tube again outside of the behind the bed on the floor so at first we used a floor pump that was loud then we used a large type of hand pump for tires and stuff and that was loud so what i had to do is again blow on this bellows to go up and down up and down and i thought at the time i was a i was a technical um, person at the time i thought well um what this is a quick scene just a far shot looking in no there was a lot of dialogue of actors doing their their dialogue with it so 
I had to blow on that tube for six and a half hours. And then the, the bellows got stuck because it was, it's such an old piece of equipment that I had to yeah. start sucking in oh order God. to come down and blowing in order to come up. So I got to admit, that was a windfall day for me. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> it, it was a 12-hour day, uh, and, and I was so lightheaded for about two days after that. But uh, oh you would have to, in between takes, get up. Uh, if the actor has to use, um, wants to get up to stretch or go use a restroom, you have to take all the equipment off of them, the EKGs, the, le- uh, the electrodes, the ET tube. And then when they come back, get on the bed, you've got to reconnect them all, then jump behind the bed and start blowing for another six hours. And that oh was a challenging God. part of that, of that movie, for me, at least. And, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, I, your lungs, you had to... You really work on your lung strength. And, yeah, and uh, they made me as a paramedic. I had a, a scene in there with, as a paramedic, and on that show, it was a, it was an interesting day. The they had two paramedics that they had hired for the scene of taking Kevin, the actor, down a hallway, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so they called me. The prop person called me and says, "Hey, Alex, just come out here and and tell me if uh, if our actors are taking the gurney out properly." because we have a major actor on the gurney and we don't want it to collapse on the floor. So I oh. went out there and I was gonna show him how to uh, properly take a gurney out of an ambulance while one of the paramedics didn't show up at the time. So they said, hey Alex, put on this uniform and just do this quick walk by. So we took the actor out of the ambulance, it was shot here in downtown LA, and the wheels came down properly and then I pushed him three feet and it was cut quick scene, right? And then they said, hey, Alex, we'll see you in Washington, D.C. Because the next scene was him coming out of the building of Washington, D.C. So I had to be flown out to Washington, D.C. and did a quick, uh, did a uh, insert shot of me coming out of the building with Kevin Klein on the gurney and everything. So you never know, little quick things to learn into big things. But uh, that was a challenging aspect too, to to say the least. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Um, how funny. Do you feel like you have a lot of instances where you get turned into something that is brought in set for like you're turned into a background actor because of this or you have to do something like play with the heart to make it look like it's beating? And do you feel like you get brought in a lot of the times when you're? Yeah, uh, the there's been like many that? cases in the past where I was hired on as a medical advisor. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing as a medical advisor, you are showing the actor how to properly hold the instruments, how to properly say the dialogue, how to properly do the action of checking vitals. Mm -hmm. If you get, uh, if you're in the right timing at times, um, the director, after you show the actor, show the actor, show the actor, and they don't get it really on cue, um, there's been maybe quite a few times where the director just says, hey, are you SAG? And I'll say, yeah. Oh, good, throw on this white coat. And then they, instead of doing nine takes of the first time, it's a one take because now you're doing the action and you're doing the dialogue in a quick, proper way. Not right. to take away anything from the actor who was hired to do it because they right. still have yeah. dialogue. It's just yeah. the action of your hands moving and properly doing things is what comes into play more. 
Yeah, that's so interesting. I, I find that really fascinating because yeah. it's kind of funny, just background it's, stuff that happens and you never expect it to you happen. You never expect it, yeah. They make you walk across something or, you know, it's, life is about timing and uh, sometimes mm -hmm. you're in the right place at the right time on certain things. Very true. It's very true. Do you ever feel like you run into um, a common myth about uh, medical equipment rentals, like something that people think you have to do for medical equipment or something that they didn't know that you could rent, like fake babies and stuff? Well, our, our closest myth here is that we often get calls outside saying, we like to buy a wheelchair. We like to buy certain disposables. So there's mm -hmm. a myth that would say that they think we are a real functioning medical store or a real functioning medical outlet. So we have to explain to the people who are calling in, um, you know, we deal with the motion picture television site. Is this, are you part of that? No, I'm just trying to find a wheelchair from an aunt or a relative. And then we have to direct them to a real facility because people see us in the in um, Google or any Alpha Medical or Alpha companies, uh, and they often think that we're in the real world of, of it all. And mm. Sometimes the myth, too, is that when a technical advisor, if they get a real doctor and they tell the prop person, I need a 24-gauge, 5-inch, 3 and they roll out all these this dialogue for the poor prop master to try to obtain, they think we carry it. But, you know, we're not a central supply. So we, right. we're limited as well as to the equipment we carry as disposables and real. So um, uh, th the hardest part is those challenges. That's interesting. I would have never thought about that because I contact real places for movie stuff, but I never thought about the reverse about people, real people that need actual things yes. contacting you yes. guys. And, you know, we're always inclined to help them out if they need to rent a wheelchair or something, but, you know, they're inclined to purchasing and, uh, you know, yeah. we, we try to direct them to the right place as well. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I, I feel like... Yeah. Yeah, well, you were telling me a story. You were right in the middle of telling me the story that I really wanted to hear. Oh, yeah, that was another. Well, this story, going back to the Kevin Klein movie, remember? It was called Dave. Mm -hmm. Well, we shot that, and they, they, they utilized me on that quick little scene. And then because I had to do the continuity from L.A. to Washington, D.C., I flew out to Washington, D.C. on a Saturday. I get there, and I'm new to the industry. And I walk up to the, the place of the hotel, and they gave me $1,000 per diem. And I'm, I'm asking, what do you do with a thousand? Why are you giving me a thousand dollars? Because I never did this before. And they said, no, this is for you to eat, relax. Your scene's not happening until Thursday. So I had four days in Washington, walking around, went to the Smithsonian Institute. I felt guilty even using the thousand dollars because I thought I had to pay it back because I don't know what a per diem was. Uh -huh. And so I was very cautious of what I buy and everything. So then one day, a uh, uh, the next day, one of the crew members said, oh, no, that's your money. You could do anything you want with it. So I went ahead and, you know, went around all over Washington, traveled. But when we got to my uh, scene on Thursday, uh, Ivan Reitman, a uh, really prominent director, he's passed away since um, not too long ago, was, was an excellent director. We had a scene where we were coming down the, the steps of not the White House, but one of the big, beautiful buildings in Washington, D.C., and we had at least 100 extras all around. And the scene was for me to put in the actor into the back of the ambulance, run to the front of the ambulance, and start driving away. 
if you watch that scene, Kevin, I mean, the director hands me a walkie-talkie mm-hmm. and says, when, you, when we say cut, you stop and bring everybody back. So what they did is they gave me four motorcycle escorts in front of the ambulance and about eight um, Secret Service cars behind me. Now, these Secret Service cars are just following the lead of me because I'm, I'm driving. Well, the, the director was on a big boom operating thing. So when, they, when you see the ambulance take off, the boom goes up all the way up. And then you could see the ambulance taking off down this big highway into the sunset. Well, they're supposed to yell, cut. So I'm driving, and I'm getting really close to the White House. And uh, <laughs> motorcycles are still breaking traffic because they're following my lead. I'm the one with the walkie-talkie. So I'm flying down this thing with lights and sirens. Uh, Secret Service is behind me with five Secret Service cars. And Kevin Klein is in the back with me. And I said, sir, should I stop? He says, did you hear a cut? I said, no. He goes, keep going. So we're all assuming maybe they're doing an aerial shot with a helicopter. I have no clue, you know. So I'm going. I reach the White House. So I start circling the White House. And everybody, <laughs> everybody's following me. You know, because I'm the lead, and it looked like I had a real person inside. So I'm going around and around the White House, Code 3. They're breaking traffic for me. And then all of a sudden, a motorcycle cop comes up to me and does a hand signal as cut. So then I drive. I shut off the sirens. I drive back to the scene. And the director comes up to me yelling, where in the heck have you been? We've been waiting for you for over 25 minutes. We'd be out cut a long time ago. What? I I said, sir, I didn't hear cut. And the actor in the back says, we didn't hear cut. So he tests the radio and it was broken. No. And I circulated that White House for at least 20 minutes around and around and around. And then the, the director got so upset and said, give this poor guy a radio that works. But oh. then they cut for lunch and everything was good. But I think I, I was a, one of the first and only to escort a president around the White House uh, uh, being uh, sim- cinematic as it was. But uh, it, was a, it was a crazy time at that time because he was so upset. He was ready to throw me down on the bus, but it, it was the radio that wasn't working. And I would have I kept going if it wasn't for that motorcycle. I, right, I would yeah. probably be circling the White House just about now because <laughs> my <laughs> cue is not to stop until I hear cut. Yeah. You know? And uh, so that was one of the incidents that we, I, I had. <laughs> I uh, another that. story I had is... Uh, if it, you don't have to put these in, but we shot. We used to shoot at a lot of locations that that are bandit hospitals, as you know. A lot of a lot of um, locations are bandit hospitals. The walls are there, the the plates are there, but we have to come in and dress all the m- machines around it. There's a bandit hospital in L.A. that's been abandoned for about, I want to say, 15 years. At that time, yeah. I went ahead and. Uh, we were shooting, we had a call time of about later part of the day, I would say 10 a.m. So they were shooting late on, on an outside location. And I wanted to get there early because I was nervous. I wanted to make sure all the machines worked properly. So right. I got there and I was actually one of the first people arriving into this hospital. So I walk inside the hospital. It was a, a, a surgical ward and I lit up my monitors and at the time you need a you need a um, a little machine called a simulator to make the ekg properly look like an ekg 
right? Mm-hmm. Probably to properly show the rhythms of the monitor. Mm-hmm. So I get there, light up everything, just to make sure all the power is working, everything's working, and I felt really eerie because this is a abandoned hospital. This is nobody's around, nobody there. All of a sudden, the EKG starts bloop, 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 going on its own without the simulator. Nope, 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 nope. So, yeah, so I I press it and I bang on the EKG thinking that it's just a malfunction. But that thing was beating on its own. I get the simulator, it's showing off. I, go, I put the thing down and I'm like, uh-oh, this is, this, is, this is a little tough time for me here. But being a paramedic, I could relate to a lot of incidents where the people have passed. And uh, so I put the, the machine down, I walk out, and then about an hour or two later, the crew starts coming in. Mm-hmm. And then all night, the crew says they've been having issues of, of uh, special things happening. The lights would flicker, mm-hmm. they would lose power in the sound, um, the sound man would, would hear things in, in the recording. And even though it wasn't a high-budget film, they're calling me later on and saying, hey, did you ever have this problem shooting there in the past? And I said, well, I've only shot there once before. We had to do a scout. And the girl um, on another movie met me at that same facility. Mm-hmm. And when you do a scout, you walk, the per- you walk the perimeter and you walk the sets and you look at the walls and the decorator will take pictures and measurements of the walls so that mm-hmm. you get a little insight of what you're up against when you're ready to dress. So I met this decorator. She was a newcomer. She looked r- really like like very earthly, you know, and we walked, got on the elevator, went to the third floor, got off the elevator, and we exit the elevator, and she goes, whoa, do you see that? And I said, what? I'm looking down the hallway. She goes, there's an elderly man pulling an IV pole. You don't see him? And I said, nope. Nope, nope, nope. nope. And as I'm looking, I turn around, boom, I see the elevator, bing, bing, going down already. So she left me on the third floor, and I had to wait for that elevator. She was gone. (laughs) She quit the show and everything because um, she just saw it. So some people could see these things. I myself would have walked down that hall and not seen anything. But certain locations are a little bit funny to be shooting at. There is something to say about people still kind of being a part of that building. Oh, yeah. It's huge. I've got kind of a little bit of a spooky story that I'll do really quick. I did this Paramore music video ages Uh and ages ago, and we were filming, I forget what the abandoned hospital is that's in LA. It has the word Linda in it, but I can't remember. It's like... Linda Vista? Yes, Linda Vista. So That's the the one that I was just talking about. Ah! That's exact same hospital. It's okay. So you know how there's the morgue on the bottom floor? Yes. Yes. So that was the only working operational bathrooms inside. And so Uh I went down to the bathrooms by myself once and the lights at the end of the hallway just started turning off. And I was like, well, nope, just no. I ran back up those stairs and I was like, I don't have to pee that bad. I'm not going down there by myself. Same facility. Same facility. And then on top of that, when we had filmed, there's um, in this music video, there's a couple 
rooms that we're filming different scenarios in one has a bunch of dead flowers and then there's a bunch Mm -hmm. of explosives that we do so Mm -hmm. as paramore is running down the hallway explosives are happening behind them so like Mm -hmm. walls are blowing out um ceilings are falling down lights are exploding and each time we would set off the explosions and special effects would be doing all this stuff it looked amazing. And then the crew moved outside to do a pool scene. And so uh-huh. I was inside wrapping all of our department stuff by myself. Right, right. And I had bought a mag light. I had bought a headlamp and a mag light special for this job. Fresh batteries, brand new, because I knew it was a night shoot and I knew it was an abandoned area. So normally said that gets left without lights. And so I'm like putting stuff on this gurney to roll outside, to go through the chapel, to go out through uh-huh. the kitchen. Because uh-huh. that was our only way out. And so, right. as you know, that's a large... That area. is. I, rem- I remember it shot a lot of... We shot the pilot of ER in there. Yeah. Well, if you remember, there's the two hallways that connect. And when you get to the chapel, that long hallway, huh? there was no light that entire hallway. Yes, and not in the chapel right. and not in the kitchen. So, I had light coming from a cor- around a corner. And then I had my headlamp and my my mag light. And so I'm walking with this gurney and I have a bunch of stuff on top of it and I'm holding the stuff and then my mag light in my mouth and I'm pushing the gurney and all of a sudden my mag light goes dead and I just have my headlamp and I was like, okay, well, I'm by the chapel, so I'm close to the kitchen and that means that there, I'm nearby the ramp so I'll, I can handle it with the headlamp. And then all of a sudden my headlamp starts flickering <laughs> and like my eyes started to water because I was like, this can't be yes. happening. <laughs> this is not yes. real. And then my headlamp goes out and I ran. I left that gurney. I abandoned it. I ran so fast out yes. of that building. And I told our designer, Jeff Flint, I was like, hey, Jeff, um, I'm, I can't. Nope. I'm just all of nope today. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it was once when I was shooting the same facility, the hallway. We had a hallway gurney there. And I fluffed mm-hmm. the pillow to make it look really clean and sheets really tight. And I was a consultant. We, uh, we we were shooting outside of the room, outside of the hallway, down another little corridor. And then I come back, and that gurney had a head implant in the pillow. You know when no. the pillow is, like, pushed down with uh-huh. a real head? Yeah. And the sheet was off. And I said, hmm, maybe somebody was taking a nap on it or, you know. Right. But nobody was in that hallway. So it's kind of, kind of you know... What do you do? You, I, I just said to myself, I just got to take a breath here and and re, refluff it. But yeah, that was that facility. I think I don't know if that building is still up. I think it is, but it, it, it is some ghostly places. Oh my gosh! It is the security guard was telling me all these ghost stories after I refused to go back in the building, and yeah. it is. Let me tell it, you, it, 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 it is, and they're true. Yeah. We got we were able in the beginning of Alpha we were able to acquire a lot of of our gurneys and beds from a hospital called Queen of Angels. It's mm-hmm. downtown right mm-hmm. off 3rd Street in Alvarado or Alvarado and somewhere. And the hospital was closing down so I approached the administrator and said if they were willing to sell any of the equipment and they said, "Sure, go get it now." And then I walk out and there's patients on these things cuz they're being transported to another facility. And she wanted me to take the patients off to get the gurneys. And I said, no, I think I'll wait. I'll, I'll wait till everything is done because I'm not going to be the one that takes somebody off a gurney so I could take the gurney. You know? That's insane. 
Yeah, and then remember that other incident I told you about that we were in the beginning. We were we bought this these uh, stainless steel doors. Mm-hmm. They're made out of all stainless steel, and they look like um, cadaver um, holding. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, the cadaver type. Yeah, of, yeah. So we bought them from a, a USC, and uh, we paid very minimum for them. But we needed something that looks more. You know, we needed to build our product or yeah. build our equipment. And we purchase these doors and these cadaver um, boxes. We get them f- back to our warehouse and we open it up and there was a dead body still in. <gasps> yeah. So I closed the door of it and I called the facility and I said, you know, there's still a body in here. Uh, I think I should take this guy back. And their answer to me was, oh, that's Joe. We've been looking for him. <laughs> and I'm oh like, my oh, gosh. So I put him back in the truck, take him back and... Uh, uh, they asked me, we could take the body out and give you back the thing. I said, no, no, just keep it because I, I think there's a little, you know, I, I don't want to have that aura of me taking this poor guy out and opening him up. So uh, we've had incidents with, of, of that nature c- oh come around gosh. us a lot. You've got nerves of steel, Alex. All your <laughs> well, being a paramedic training. for a long time, too, you know, I had a million stories as a paramedic as well, but it's... Uh, you know, you 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 just got to separate yourself sometimes on, on these things. You know, luckily he wasn't he wasn't smiling or something of that nature. But you know, you, <laughs> like, you open the door, see that it's a body, close the door, and move on. You know? Oh my gosh, you that is very impressive. I would have had a very different reaction to that. That would have not been so cool, calm and collected. Yeah, I would have asked for a better discount, but it it is what it is. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, speaking about building your inventory, how do you normally come up with the prices for your rentals to rent your items? Well, generally speaking, our prices are governed by a 10% of what the declared value of the piece of equipment is. That's our, our rule of thumb. We do work with low budgets, student films, higher budgets, and we're always susceptible of trying to provide a, a better discount if need be, especially a student film, because they're they're doing this outside of their pocket, and mm-hmm. we try hard to, to make sure that we could um, help them that way, because I always believe that a student film will work on another film, and then another film, and before you know it, they're in a big budget film, and they'll remember you. You always touch that person from the day one, and they'll remember the first impression they get from you when they first see you, I don't want to be tainted. I like them to have come in, get what they need, give them the best service possible because they'll remember you. Absolutely. This industry, despite how big it is, it's really a small industry. You always see the same people one time or another uh, coming up or passing your door. And uh, if you could give them that smile and that the best service as possible, they'll always come back or they'll always have that impression of Alpha being a place they want to shop and do their thing. So um, so going back to the pricing, again, some of our equipment is worth uh, $2 million. And you can't do a 10% on a $2 million piece of equipment. So you have to set present. Otherwise, it would take us 25 years to coop our money back on just that purchase of that one equipment at 10%. Mm-hmm. So we, we just kind of go with whatever. Uh, we try to do the scope of 10%. That's governing in our computers. And if need be, we'll, we'll try to apply a discount if, 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 uh, if it's production that really needs the help. 
That's awesome. I also, I think it's so true about your salespeople because as someone who works in the industry very closely to salespeople, my salespeople become my family because yes, very you guys much are so. my constant coworkers. I yes. change my job constantly and I change different designers, different uh, teams, different leads, different set dressers. But my salespeople, I, I, I'm there for the first birth of their baby and like I yes. see them buy their first house and get married and then yes, go through very much so. Yeah, it's very, very much. um very much a family, the relationship yes. with my salespeople. Yeah. And with that said, this industry is all about friendship. This in mm -hmm. industry is all about relationships. And uh, from the salespeople that worked here for over 20 years, 15 years, a lot of the people here have a lot of history here. We yeah. watched them from their first girlfriend to their first wife to their first child, as you said, mm -hmm. to um, to everywhere. We spend more time together than we do at our homes uh, pretty much of the time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we, we all develop that friendship uh, when we... When we had our 30-year anniversary, we had some old uh, decorator friend of ours come. It's so, that smile and that face is always the same because mm -hmm. you've laid that groundwork. You've laid that foundation of friendship. So as a, a newcomer coming through the doors of Alpha Props, we don't just greet them to say, hi, what do you need? You got to greet, we greet them like, hi, how can I help you? What, what, is there anything that we could do with? Well, I don't have a lot of money. It's the first dialogue or I'm under the crunch on this budget. Well, we just say, that's no problem. We'll work with you. And, uh, if you welcome them, their half of their headache is gone because they worry that they're not going to be able to afford this budget that they've, they've, they've quoted on. So we've always tried to keep them at ease in that respect, you know. Yeah, and you guys do an amazing job. Every person that I've worked with through the companies across the board and across the states, it's everyone's been kind and very welcoming and all of your salespeople have just been really A plus and I'm I'm very well, grateful you. for that. It's thank a you. big deal for sure us that, on our end. We all appreciate that. <laughs> do you guys ever ship your inventory? I think you mentioned previously yes. that you do because there are a lot of shows that are in between places that you have your hubs at yes shipping has become one of the major um thoroughways for us it's become a major issue that you know everybody's shooting around the world mm -hmm. you know we ship um new orleans we ship to arizona a lot of locations are setting up um studios at different parts california used to be the hub california was mr was hollywood as you know um, mm -hmm. things have changed tremendously where everybody gets better um tax incentives at different areas so mm -hmm. our shipping has become one of the main things if a decorator is saying i'm in india mm -hmm. and i need this we'll help arrange that shipping so we go anywhere from United States continental all the way up to and to Canada because Vancouver is very popular. Mm -hmm. Toronto has a lot of filming, so we cross the border a lot. And then we also do, uh, we've done all the way across to China. We've done everywhere, anywhere you need to, anywhere where they set up a film, we could try to be there as well. And we we've developed a good relationship with a lot of shipping companies that help facilitate this. And if we could keep the ball rolling and keep the motion going, that's part of, of this industry. You know, we never say, uh, no, we don't. It's always, yeah. let me see what we could do to get it to you. 
Absolutely. Know? And and that's that's what they want to hear. That's what the decker wants to hear. They oh, want to say, "Hey, can you get this?" I, I mean, we could we can't FedEx it. It's too big. Can you get it to me? I need it. I tried desperately to try to find it out here. We'll try our best to try to get it to you. That's so awesome. I really appreciate that because the, I mean, when you're given a script and you have your breakdown and you realize how much is required of you and you get the budget from the producer and you come back with a budget that they won't meet because you know that's what the price of what they're asking for is it puts you in this really particular bind and the stress ball that starts to snowball is immense and walking into into a prop house that's like, Hey, let me help you with a big chunk of what you need to get accomplished. Huge. It's a huge stress relief to us on our end. Yeah. And, and think of it. If, if I was a decorator walking in and saying, Oh my gosh, I hope they have this. I hope they have this. Mm -hmm. Do you have this? No, we don't. And then the conversation stops there. You are in the same stress for, um, as before you walk, open that door. But if you had somebody who says, we really don't carry it, but let me look into it. Maybe there's another place that has it, or maybe we could mm-hmm. assist you in finding it uh, on another resource. But uh, if you get another person to help take that load off your shoulders mm-hmm. for that moment or for to answer that question, that's where you develop the friendship. That's where you develop the relationship with that person because yeah. you took that like, little extra step. And at Alpha, we we always try to take that extra step. You know, we always try to say, let me see what I could do to help, not that we don't carry it. Yeah. Well, I personally really appreciate it. And I'm sure every I speak for everyone in the film industry when we say that we appreciate that level of support because it's very rare, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you to everyone listening. I really appreciate every single one of you guys. And if you haven't already... Check out our Instagram. It is called Go For Set Deck Podcast. If you want to write us an email, which who doesn't love a good email? It's goforsetdeckpodcast at gmail.com. And I also want to thank Alpha for letting Alex do this interview with me. I want to thank Alex for his time on this. It's just been a really fun co- collaboration, and I gr- I'm very grateful for it. So that is us at Go For Set Deck, and you just heard all about Alpha. Have a good one, and be an exceptional human today, tomorrow, and every day on. Goodbye!